Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. everyone. Welcome to Cancer SOS. This is your show host, Joni Eldridge, and I want to welcome you to another good week of shows on W4WN. Um, Basically, I want to thank you for joining us today in the chat room and look forward to comments. We're talking about a very serious cancer topic today. We're going to talk about neuropathy and how it affects people uh, that have been through cancer treatment and other diseases. Basically, it's a very serious problem from everything from diabetes to um, the elderly. So before we get to that, though, I have a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, First of all, I want to remind you, and time is getting short to submit this, Cure Magazine is calling on cancer patients, survivors, and caregivers from across the country to submit essays for the 2012 Extraordinary Healer Award for Oncology Nursing. Uh, The contest made possible with financial support from Amgen Oncology and Breakaway from Cancer invites patients and their families to submit a short 400 to 1,000 word essay uh, describing the compassion, expertise, and helpfulness a, a special oncology nurse exhibited towards them during their cancer journey. Uh, submissions for that can be made online at www.curetoday.com backslash healer award and will be accepted through March the 21st, 2012. Um, 
you know, oncology nursing is an incredible field. It requires long hours and a lot of devotion and dedication on the part of the nurses. So if you have someone that was special to you during your cancer care, please um, call attention to them through doing this. Also, I'd like to call your attention to the Cancer Care Advocates uh, uh, the Community Oncology Alliance Patient Advocacy Network Program has a conference March the 30th through the 31st at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada. To get more information on that, go to communityoncology.org. Uh, the Community Oncology Alliance Patient Advocacy Network Program will run parallel to the 7th Annual Community Oncology Conference. Sessions will provide a with education and a variety of oncology issues such as legislative issues affecting patient care, health care reform issues relevant to cancer patients and their care providers, uh, oncology drug shortages, some very, very critical topics in the cancer community. Uh, conference attendees will have informal opportunities to network with advocates, nurses, oncologists, and administrators. And I love this group because they really address cancer issues that others um, may not want to address. There's still time to register. Um, you can also go, uh, if you're a patient, caregiver, or survivor, uh, Dean Piper, the owner of the Entertainment Network, and I will be there covering the event, so don't miss it. Uh, it's a great opportunity to go and to learn, uh, to network, and also have a little fun in the process, since it is in Vegas. So today, um, my guest is Dr. Michael Rose, and we're discussing neuropathy. Neuropathy is a side effect that many cancer survivors deal with every day. Um, it can be long-term, life-debilitating, and very painful. When I think of uh, how neuropathy changed a life, I think of a friend of mine, John Z, who had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he had to give up his career as a production supervisor because he couldn't stand for long hours on the concrete production floor anymore. I also think of my basket designer, breast cancer survivor, Carol Taylor, uh, who could no longer work as a beautician for the same reason. So these are very difficult life circumstances. Uh, these are people who beat cancer but still live with the consequences every day, and they aren't alone. A high majority of cancer survivors have neuropathy neuropathy to some degree. Uh, Dr. Michael Rose is Chief of the Division of Hand Surgery at Jersey Shore Medical Center. He's an expert in reconstruction following cancer surgery. Um, he He's skilled in something that we're going to talk about today, which is complex nerve decompression surgery for people suffering from all forms of neuropathy. And he's one of only a handful of plastic surgeons specifically trained in this technique. Um, Dr. Rose got his medical degree from New York. New York, sorry, University School of Medicine. Uh, he's double board certified in plastic surgery and general surgery. And for six consecutive years since 2006, Dr. Rose has been recognized as a peer-determined Castle Con Connolly top doctor for the New York metropolitan area. Uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Rose. 
Well, oh, thank you very much. I appreciate after hearing that. I'm I'm kind of impressed with myself right there. I don't think of myself quite like that, but I have a whole lot of things going on there, don't I? Yes, you do. And you you know, as we go through our careers and everything, I think that's typical of everyone. We don't stop and think about, wow, what I've accomplished. But you you work with patients every day to make a difference in their life and so um you should focus on it. Yeah, well, you know, like anyone else, you go to work and you do the best you can. Um, but I, I think you, you, your introduction was extremely poignant because um, whenever I write a paper on the subject, I open up with the sentence or the paragraph that basically is what you said is, here's people that have beaten cancer. And you would think that everything would be rosy, like their life would be great, they'd get back to normal. But they can't because about 30% of people will have a really bad case of chemotherapy-induced neuropathy. Um, about 60% of people will get it to some degree if they're taking, if they have to have the kind of chemotherapy that causes it. Of course, if, if you get a different kind of chemotherapy, you won't get it. But there are some very, very important chemotherapies that have to be used in certain cancers, and about 60% of people will get the neuropathy, and only about half of those will it go away. Um, given enough time, and that leaves about 30% of people who get these types of chemotherapy are really debilitated to some degree or another, and in some cases, as you mentioned, very severely for the rest of their lives. So, um, you know, what we're going to talk about today is that there is actually some hope for these people, and, you know, we'll get into all that. Yeah, and I want to make a point on that. Yeah, that number is, uh, it may not sound high on the surface, 30%, but when you're talking about just in the United States alone, this year 1.5 million people will be diagnosed with cancer. And that's on average, obviously, that's not going to be an exact. But when you think about that and you think about 30%, and in fact, you said half of those uh, would have it long term, that's an amazingly high number. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tens of thousands of people would be my guess. Because of those 1.5 million, a lot of them have other cancers that don't need um, Taxol and Cisplatinum and and the, the drugs that tend to cause um, uh, uh, chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, um, but of the people that have to get those, and, and it's the common cancers, breast cancer, colon cancer, these are the people who have to take these kinds of chemotherapies and, and very often end up with the, uh, uh, you know, with the, um, with the result, ovarian cancer is another big one, um, where they take these kind of chemotherapy and they end up with the uh, peripheral neuropathy after the chemotherapy. Yeah, and in actuality, my husband uh, had multiple myeloma, and he took cisplatin. So, you know, I, I think that's one of the more common uh, drugs, one of the more common chemotherapy drugs. Now, um, he also took thalidomide, and thalidomide, of course, one that's one of the side effects of thalidomide. So, absolutely. Uh, and um, you know, he did have an effect. Uh, it it. Thankfully, was not debilitating. Of course, he didn't survive the cancer. So, you know, we're dealing with a fine line here. You have to treat it. And, you know, then sometimes that what that leaves behind is the side effects from the from the treatments that can be kind of hard to and and life changing, hard to deal with and life changing. Absolutely. And in fact, um, I I wrote a paper on thalidomide induced um, peripheral neuropathy. And we were able to treat that as well. And um, you know, most people haven't heard of thalidomide. Uh, you're probably well aware that 
Um, it was a drug that was used to treat um, uh, 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 sickness for women that were pregnant. Um, uh, and uh, But unfortunately, it caused a lot of birth defects. So they obviously very quickly took it off the market, and it had sort of this black stain on its name. But it's really a miracle drug for certain cancers, and um, but it does cause a lot of peripheral neuropathy. And, uh, and that's another one that we've been very fortunate to be able to treat. So let's start from kind of a scratch for the listeners today. What exactly is neuropathy? Neuropathy is um, a very interesting phenomenon. Um, There's no test for it. It's just something that you figure out based upon the circumstances. It's uh, a diagnosis of uh, exclusion, as they call it. You kind of make sure it's nothing else, and then you kind of come upon this diagnosis. And to the patient, they report varying degrees of numbness, tingling, pain, which is kind of funny. They're numb, but they're in pain. That's like the that's sort of the, the main feature, that paradox of being numb but also being in pain at the same time. Some people say it feels like a sock is rolled up in their shoe or there's sand in their shoe all the time. Other people, it's, it's burning, stabbing. So it's different to everybody, um, but pain is a very, very common component. And that's the thing that really drives people crazy, of course, is being in chronic pain. Yeah, and it makes it difficult to um, stand up or in a lot of cases and also work with hands. I think those are, are those the predominant areas that usually neuropathy affects? Sure. I mean, you can get neuropathy. You may have heard of optic neuropathy where, you know, diabetics tend to get that and then they can't read and they need, you know, Braille to, to be able to read. You can get um, peripheral neuropathy in the, in the hands and feet. It can affect your balance. It can affect your ability to use your fingers. You drop things. Um, Carpal tunnel syndrome, which everybody's pretty much heard of, is a form of peripheral neuropathy. It's just not induced by a medication, but it's very similar. And people with um, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome have the same basic symptoms um, as as uh, people with uh, chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Now, actually, neuropathy is associated with the brain and the central nervous system, isn't it? Well, not not exactly. It's actually more the peripheral nervous system, and there can be certainly some central components to it. Um, but 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 that, to my knowledge, there is no surgical treatment for. What's novel about what you know? We can kind of cut to the chase a little bit, I guess, and I can talk about the surgical treatment. Is for years it was presumed that because you're taking a medicine and the medicine is going throughout your body and causing havoc on the nerves everywhere, that there's no surgery that can fix it. You know, the, 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 the term a surgical strike, you know, when, in, in wartime is when you're just going to pick off one building or one, you know, one, one you know, person like Osama bin Laden or whatever. That's a surgical strike because you're going after one thing. You're not systematically going after an entire area, a surgical strike. So surgery is always thought of as going after something specific. Your appendix is burst. Let's go in and get it out. It's just going in for one thing. So it was never thought that you could surgically fix neuropathy. It just seemed to be this blanket problem that affected all the nerves. But what we figured out is over the years, we being you know the doctors that specialize in this kind of thing, is what we figured out is although the nerves are sick, 
they're being affected in very specific locations. And let me give an analogy. Um, you got, you know, obviously the listeners can't see me, but um, I'm sort of an average-sized person. But let's just say I snapped my fingers and I could gain 50 pounds, boom, just like that. Same suit, same tie, same pants, same belt. Well, I would be much bigger and much un- more unhealthy, let's say, but I would have two concerns at that moment, and that would be to unbutton my collar so I could breathe and unbutton my pants so I could breathe. I would still be a very unhealthy person, 50 pounds heavier, but I wouldn't feel awful at that moment. I would have relieved the pressure, so to speak. Um, and the analogy there is when you take these chemotherapy drugs, you're making your nerves sick, and they swell, and they get stiff. And they just want to be relieved at the pressure points. So it, it, it almost doesn't matter that the nerve is still sick, as long as you can relieve its pressure at the points where it typically gets hung up or trapped. And that was the big breakthrough, was realizing, yes, the nerve is sick, just like the 50-pound weight gain makes me unhealthy, but if you go after these surgical points, um, where the nerve gets hung up and release it, that you can give these people relief. And that's the big breakthrough here. Wow. I, we're going to definitely talk more about that. Um, you know, that's fascinating. Um, you know, and I, I want to learn more about it and how you pinpoint the specific points. But, but first, let's, let's get back to the general subject. So what are some of the causes of neuropathy besides cancer treatment, which we've just discussed? Because this affects not just cancer patients. Oh, absolutely. Uh, neuropathy is pervasive. Uh, the most common uh, um, group of people that get it are people with diabetes. People with diabetes, um, and there's tens of millions of diabetics in the United States, uh, get it about 60% of them will get it over the course of their lifetime to some degree or another. So we're talking about tens of millions of people with peripheral neuropathy. Um, that's the most common group of people. There's a almost as big group of people that get it, and we don't know why. We call that idiopathic. Um, there's a lot of medications that are out there that we take. One of the more implicated ones are the statin drugs, which people take for high cholesterol that some people think it can cause peripheral neuropathy. If you drink too much alcohol, you know, uh, in addition to having problems with your liver, of course, you can get neuropathy from that. Um, you, from having uh, uh, thyroid disease, from having vitamin deficiencies. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. There's some autoimmune diseases as well, but the most common would be medications. In our case, we're talking about chemotherapy-induced today, but diabetes would be, and idiopathic would be the other two major categories. And I, let me just inject a personal note here. Um, after my husband passed away, I tried several antidepressants. And I got neuropathy really bad from one of them. I really had no idea what was going on. All of a sudden, I was trying to move at the time. Um, my legs swelled up. They got, I mean, it was extremely excruciatingly painful. And I'm normally a very healthy person. I'm not overweight. I'm not, you know. Uh, but it scared me to death, and then I realized, I went in and I checked the side effects of that particular um, depression drug, and there it was, I mean, just as clear as day, and of course, you know, I ended up giving up that whole search and going back to exercising and taking good care of myself um, to, to help with some of the emotional concerns at the time obviously but so I know what you're talking about and I can relate to how painful it is 
Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting anecdote, and, and it, I think it illustrates a point, because just about any medicine can cause it, but what's even more interesting, you know, as soon as you said that, is one of the treatments, the medical treatments for the pain of neuropathy is actually antidepressants, not so much for the antidepressant uh, effect, but the medicines seem to stimulate some factors around the nerves that decrease the amount of pain that they create. Um, so it's it, it, it's just interesting. I, of course, I don't doubt you for, for a minute, but it's just an interesting um, thing to note that just about any medicine, including the ones that normally help alleviate the pain of neuropathy, can cause it as well. So, that, so that's just a, you know, sort of a word to the wise that just about anything can cause it. And that you need to seek uh, or, or at least do some research and find out what's going on quickly because if you catch it quickly and it is something that's induced by say for example um, a medication or, or something like that it can actually be prevented or stopped in the process correct that that's correct uh, uh, you know on obviously certain things like chemotherapy you you, you know right. they're life-saving and you know you probably would not stop those but other medicines you can often find an alternative, um, but but it's an it's an interesting topic. This sort of early uh, diagnosis and sort of ag- aggressively sort of dealing with it. A lot of people and doctors included put their head in the sand and say, "Oh, it will go away," and they watch it and watch it and watch it. And neuropathy, once it sets in and and is not being addressed properly, often only gets worse. And um, we are waiting to see what happens is okay for a short time. I'm not advocating rushing off everybody to surgery by any stretch of the imagination, but after a reasonable amount of time, three months, six months, maybe 12 months at the most, if things aren't getting better and they're only getting worse, it's time to consider your options on, on, on treating it and, and, and not just waiting for some miracle to happen. Now let's talk about uh, in a little bit more depth because I was kind of um, I was surprised by some of the symptoms of neuropathy. Let's run through those uh, since we're on the subject of perhaps making sure that your medical professional that you deal with know if you might be experiencing some neuropathy. So tell us some of the symptoms. Very typically, um, the patients will notice, in, in usually in their feet first, but it can be in the hands first, in the hands and feet in general, they'll notice some numbness and tingling in the tips of the fingers, tips of the toes. In the feet, it will often feel to them like they have their sock isn't quite smooth inside their, um, their shoe, but when they look, it's, it's smooth. They might have some pain. They just don't feel like standing. Their heel hurts. Most people say it hurts more at night, but I've heard the exact opposite. Some people it feels better to stand. Some people it feels better to lie down and put their feet up. So there's a lot of different things, but if something just doesn't feel right with your hands and feet, and, and part of that is pain and then numbness at the same time, you're probably looking at some type of neuropathy. And, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's drug-induced. It doesn't necessarily mean um, it, it's, uh, um, it can or can't be treated. But, but that typically, neuropathy is a very sort of generic term for, you know, apathy is sort of problem with. So neuropathy is a problem with your nerve. It doesn't really say what that problem is. Um, so, so that's what you're looking for if you think this might be uh, it. And, and, and if you go see a doctor or, or who might send you to a neurologist or somebody who specializes in this, they're going to hopefully do a full workup and make sure it's not something else. 
before they just say, okay, you have neuropathy. Um, because unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot that can be done for most neuropathy. The, the treatment that I've talked about briefly already is only helpful in a select group of people, unfortunately. But fortunately, there is a group of people that we can help. Um, and also, one of the things that I wanted to point out that you mentioned earlier is that sometimes it can be a little dangerous. For example, my friend John Z, who I mentioned earlier, he also had to stop driving because it just was not safe for him to drive anymore. Right. Um, it, you know, that, all, of course, depends upon severity. And, you know, you need to be evaluated and, and uh, you know, a competent physician or other health care provider should be able to tell you if it's not safe to drive. Of course, if you can't feel your foot and you can't feel the brake or the accelerator properly, well, you probably shouldn't be, be driving. And that's where we get around to this whole concept that, you know, what seems to be not such a big deal on the surface, oh, a little numbness and tingling is a truly life-changing disease. Um, our, our group, um, the Plastic Surgery Center, we, we specialize in nerve problems. And, and as was mentioned before, we can help alleviate these conditions in not all but some people that are well-selected after an appropriate evaluation. So, you know, obviously the first step is to figure out if you have the problem and then we have to figure out if you're a candidate for a procedure, and then we can talk about whether or not you're a procedure. That would be, you know, the, the, the ideal circumstance if somebody uh, who has this is thinking, well, you know, what's next? What's the next step here? And, you know, certainly I'm sure that quality of life has to be considered uh, because, you know, the surgery probably would not always be the answer, but in extreme cases, which you deal with, I'm sure um, it's a very good solution. Yeah, um, it's not so much extreme cases, it's the appropriate case. Um, for example, I think it's perfectly appropriate if you're 35 to 45 years old and you just had you know, a breast cancer diagnosis had cisplatinum and taxol chemotherapy, and you have absolutely debilitating neuropathy, and, uh, you know, six months go by. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's not getting better and you're taking all kinds of medications and narcotics and you're only getting addicted to medications um, mm -hmm. and you come to see me and I determine that surgery might help you, well, I think that's, that's worth taking. The, the surgery has, it only takes about an hour. Um, per leg, but we do one leg at a time. It's a same-day surgery. You go home the same day. Um, you're back on your feet within a week. And so uh, for a relatively minor procedure that's done as an outpatient to have the chance of reversing what otherwise would be a lifelong debilitating condition, I think that's, that's a well-managed risk and, and well worth taking. I, I think the biggest problem is people, unfortunately, and I, I get it, you know, I'm a surgeon, but I'm also a I'm a regular person when, when I'm at home. I, you know, I, I have my concerns and fears about my own 
person and, and, and family having surgery as well. But that being said, I think people are overly cautious sometimes about surgery when it's the only answer. And especially if we're talking about a minor outpatient procedure that can literally reverse a life-changing thing, I think the sort of the deck is stacked in the surgery's favor um, that, that, it, that the benefits far outweigh the risks in many, many cases. Um, that being said, as, as I've said, uh, I think a number of times in our discussion here, you have to screen the people because we can only help a selected group of people um, based upon their symptoms and, and the, how long it's been going on, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to screen you properly before we decide to go forward with any kind of surgery. Well, uh, we're going to take a short break here uh, with Dr. Michael Rose. We're talking with him today. We're going to learn more about this procedure that uh, they do, the decompression surgery for people suffering suffering from neuropathy. Um, Dr. Rose, before we go on break, uh, let people know where they can learn more about this, please. Um, well, our, our website is www.advancedreconstruction.com, and that's an excellent starting point, at least for um, uh, you know getting uh, information related to the procedure that I do. Um, uh, there are you know many other resources out there related to uh, peripheral neuropathy and cancer uh, chemotherapy induced peripheral neuropathy as well that I'm sure you can just get to by Googling the keywords. But if you want specifics related to the procedure that I do, my website, advancedreconstruction.com, is an excellent starting point. And when we get back, we're going to talk about uh, triple nerve decompression surgery. Um, I want to know a lot of different things like does insurance pay for it, uh, what the success rate is. So we're going to talk about that with Dr. Robert Rose, Dr. Robert Rose, Dr. Michael Rose. I have a Dr. Robert Rose that I know as well. Sorry about that, Dr. Rose. Okay, no problem. Uh, And uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes after a break. Thank you. And your tired eyes refuse to close and sleep in your defense When it's in your spine, like you've walked for miles And the only thing you want is just to be still for a while
got less than a minute. Tired eyes refuse to close and sleep in okay, I'm plugging in. Welcome back to Cancer SOS. This is your host, Joni Eldridge, and my guest today is Dr. Michael Rose. And Dr. Rose uh, is a specialist that deals with a lot of neuropathy patients. Uh, we're going to talk about a very wonderful procedure, triple nerve compression surgery, and how it's performed You know, in this part of the show. And I spoke about it earlier. I've known so many people that it's so frustrating because you want to live. You know, you you want to live to get through your cancer, and you're willing to do just about anything to make that happen. Um, And so you go through your treatment, um, and, you know, certainly there are warnings about things like neuropathy, side effects, and and what have you. Um, But in some cases, the, the drugs don't even work, and you have to go to something else, but the damage has already been done. Neuropathy impacts, we spoke about it earlier, about 30% of cancer patients and, and 15%, I believe I have those numbers right, uh, that can be kind of a permanent situation. So it's exciting, Dr. Rose, to hear about uh, a procedure that can help these patients um, that is, uh, yes, it's a surgical procedure, and a lot of cancer patients probably would hold back from that because obviously they've been through so many medical treatments. But, you know, this is um, something that can change their life and get them back on track because, as I said, a lot of uh, people can't go back to work, can't drive, can't, you know, this affects their lives. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I 100% um, agree with that. Um, as far as your statistics, I, I, I think the best way to describe the um, the number of people with cancer who um, who get this, if you take cisplatinum or, or taxol or, or vincristin, um, you probably have about a 60% chance of getting some neuropathy, but about half of those it will go away just on its own just because you stop taking the medication, obviously. Um, and so the, the remaining 30% um, are the ones who kind of have a, uh, a residual effect from it. And obviously some of them it's not going to be horribly severe. It's just going to be a nuisance, but there's certainly a good portion of them that it's going to be a real, real uh, life-changing issue for them. Um, you know, and, and that's really the, you know, the crux of the problem. And actually, some people have it, and it's just, uh, it can be a minor nuisance, uh, you know, something that kind of comes and goes uh, as long as you don't stand on your feet for a long period of time. But unfortunately, a lot of people, I brought up several of my friends, um, you know, they, they had a job, they had something that they did in their life, had a career, and, you know, unfortunately, it necessitated them standing on their feet for a long period of time, and, you know, they couldn't go back to work, they couldn't go back to their quote-unquote normal life before cancer, so very serious problem. Yeah, and the, the reality is, 
and I'm, I'm being dead serious here, there is, other than the surgery that I'm going to talk about, I'm sure, in the next few minutes here, there is no treatment for neuropathy, period, end of story. And anyone who tells you otherwise is, is telling you a story. There are, there are things that alleviate the symptoms, but they don't treat the underlying problem. Okay, and there is no medication that I'm aware of that actually does anything more than mask the symptoms. The same way when you have the flu, the flu doesn't go away because you take your Robitussin. It's just the cough feels a little bit better for a few hours, but you still have the flu. So what what we're worried about here, if you're just masking the symptoms and you can't feel your foot and you put it in a hot bathtub because you forgot to check with your hand, you're going to burn your foot. If you have a pebble in your shoe, you're going to get an ulcer in your toe and you could get a big infection and end up with an amputation. Um, If you can't feel your fingers, then you're going to have trouble doing things at work if you have pain, etc. So you're not going to be able to work because you can't stand like you said. So the thing is, unfortunately, the, the, the medications that are out there that people prescribe, they, they do not, you know, they're fine. They, they, they help people. And I'm not saying don't help people, but they don't treat the underlying problem. So, you know, what I'm talking about today, the triple nerve decompression surgery is the only thing that I'm aware of that actually fixes the problem at its root cause for the patients where compression is the main dominating feature of their neuropathy. And unfortunately, not everybody has compression as their dominating feature. And I gave the analogy before the break about if I gain 50 pounds suddenly, yes, I'm unhealthy, but you know, I would want to unbutton my collar and my belt to feel better. And at, at that moment, I wouldn't feel any differently than I did before I gained that immediate 50 pounds. I would just you know, be happy that I unbuttoned my my uh, my tie and collar and my and my belt. So it's the same thing with the people who have compression neuropathy. They they got the chemotherapy. Their nerves have gotten swollen. The nerves are sick. The nerves are stiff, and the nerves are still traveling through these very tight tunnels that redirect the nerves throughout the body. And we know where those tunnels are. They're just in the same place in every person. So what we do is we go after the sites of anatomic narrowing, as we call them, and we decompress the nerves. We release the pressure. We open the collar, so to speak. And after we do that, the patients usually get some degree of immediate relief as the nerve is relieved. But then the nerve, if it's been sick long enough, has to regenerate. Now that it's had relief from pressure, it can regenerate. And over the next 12 to 18 months, they will get ongoing improvement over the next 12 to 18 months. And usually they get most of their sensation back. The numbness and tingling goes away. They can almost always get off of most, if not all, of their pain medicines. And it truly changes their life back to a much more normal one. Now, you know, talking about the actual procedure itself, um, you know, this is fair. I, I, I was reading about it, and you're really talking about, yes, it's a surgery, and yes, any surgery can be a little bit dangerous, but you're really talking about three small incisions, correct? Absolutely. It's three incisions, whether it's the hands or the feet. There's basically three major nerves that go into each of your limbs. And what we do is we go to the point where that nerve 
gets directed in the appropriate direction it needs to go in the limb. And at that point, there's a tunnel that it goes through that redirects it in the direction it's supposed to go. And that's the tunnel that we're going to decompress and open up. And once we've decompressed those three tunnels in whatever limb it is that we're talking about at that moment, we usually give relief of the symptoms. And um, if you are properly selected and we feel that you're a good candidate for the procedure, approximately 75% of patients will have relief of their symptoms after having the procedure. That's where the statistics are on the procedure. Unfortunately, only about 30% of people that walk in the door to see me do I determine that they're a candidate. And some of the reasons that make somebody not a candidate, number one, maybe they're too ill, they're too old, they have heart disease, and I can't really operate on them. Another reason I might not be able to operate on them is they've waited too long. At some point, the nerve is too far gone, and there's nothing I can do to bring it back, and there's ways that I can determine that. And some people just have a different kind of neuropathy where the, the, the nerve didn't swell, it's just a sick nerve, and it really feels awful to the patient, but unfortunately, there's not a component of compression, it's just a sick nerve, and unfortunately, those are the people that I can't help. So when, when people just come in, you know, there's no way over the phone or via an email, unfortunately, that I can determine if they are a candidate or not. But once I've examined them and I've done some maneuvers and to determine whether or not they're a candidate, within about five minutes, I can usually tell them whether or not I think I can help them. Now, how long have you been doing these triple nerve decompression surgeries with your patients? Um, it's Coming up on around 10 years now, between 9 and 10 wow. years ago, um, I started doing them. Um, and, um, you know, it's, um, it, it's amazing because you really, really help people. But unfortunately, there's still a medicine like, like most professions. You know, if you think, you know, if the listeners just kind of think in their head about their profession, they probably realize that things don't change very quickly. And unfortunately, medicine isn't much different. It's like anything else. We try to keep up on the, uh, on the, on the latest, but it's usually the next generation brings the new innovations in. So it's, it's kind of difficult to convince the entire uh, uh, world of existing neurologists and uh, cancer specialists and, you know, the oncologists and whatnot, that when their patients have this type of, of pain, that maybe they should be evaluated by a nerve specialist, such as a plastic surgeon that specializes in nerve surgery, and see if there's anything that can be done. It just wasn't thought of before 10 years ago. And while 10 years seems like a long time, it goes by in a, in, in a blink, you know, in your career. And, you know, you just go on, you know, just talking about all of us doctors in general, you continue treating tra patients the way you were taught to treat them. And yes, you read the journals and whatnot and you see stuff, but, you know, it is difficult to incorporate, you know, every new thing that you read about into your practice. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the unfortunate truth. So that's why I do a lot of educating. Um, that's why I enjoy going on, uh, on radio shows such as this. Um, you know, this was great that I was in, invited on. And I really appreciate it um, because I think that hopefully there's somebody out there that will hear this that can benefit from it because very often if you talk to your doctor, you're going to get them, them looking at you with what we call cow eyes where it's like a cow looking at you. They don't know what you're talking about. You know, if you Exactly. talk to a cow, a cow doesn't know what you're talking about. Wow. 
Um, I have a question in the chat room, Dr. Rose. Uh, what's your opinion of anodyne light therapy for pain relief? That's a great question, and I get that a lot from, from patients. Um, but before I sp talk specifically about anodyne, I just want to talk about um, I'm going to talk about baldness for a second. And the analogy okay. here is when you hear on the radio about the cure for baldness, we're all smart enough to know that it probably doesn't work because if it worked, we wouldn't see so many bald people around, okay? But that being said, the company is making a lot of money because there are a lot of desperate people out there who don't want to be bald, okay? It's unfortunately the same thing with neuropathy, and there's a lot of predatory... Um, advertising out there. They want to convince you that taking a vitamin or shining a light on your foot or this, that, the other thing is going to make you better. And I am not aware of any really well done clinical study that proves that any one of these things is as nearly efficacious as the surgery that I've spoken about. Um, if I saw the paper, I would be more than happy to espouse it as, as the greatest thing since sliced bread. But unfortunately, there is no such study that I am aware of at this point. That being said, I have had patients come in and have sworn to me left, right, and up and down that just about every one of these therapies, including anodyne, has helped them. And I think that that's terrific because most of the therapies are not harmful. They can cost a little money. Anodyne's a little bit uh, costly, I think, to get the full course of therapy, um, but it's not harmful. And I've had many patients of mine who are not healthy enough to undergo decompression surgery, usually the diabetics that are sick and have heart disease, and I've sent them for anodyne therapy, so I'm not against it at all. I'm just saying you got to be like buyer beware, you know. Uh, there are people out there that will take your money to sell you the hope that you will feel better. And I think it's worth trying everything once as long as it's not harmful, you know, not too wacky. Just if we're talking about, um, if we're talking about massage therapy, uh, acupuncture sounds reasonable to me to try. Um, you know, if you want to try meditation, if you want to try anodyne therapy, uh, you know, vitamin supplementations, I don't think that's going to hurt you. Um, I, I, you know, I think there's probably some things out there that, you know, on, on the surface, we all know, hmm, this sounds a little hokey, and maybe you should avoid those things, whatever they may be. Okay, so let's get back to the D compression surgery. Now, um, this is an outpatient procedure. I want to reiterate that, correct? Absolutely. I, I mean, I guess I could envision somebody who's not healthy and we want to watch them overnight, but for the most part, I think I've done 99% of these as an outpatient procedure. I do them in my surgery center and, uh, you know, I send them home the same day and then I just kind of see them a week later and, um, and you know, we get the stitches out three weeks later. Um, it's three incisions. None is each incision is about an inch to two inches long at different places on your on your leg or arm where the uh, you know where the nerve gets compressed. We decompress the nerve, um, send you you know stitch you up, send you home the same day. You don't lose but a a, a drop of blood the whole time. Um, you go home, you just take it easy. You you elevate your arm or your leg for about a week and slowly get back to your life after that. Um, and we get the stitches out like I said three weeks later. And, you know, even the people who don't have a response, and like I said, about 75% of people get a great response and about 25% of people don't really notice much of a difference. Um, it's such a relatively minor procedure, 
it's it's not the end of the world. Um, and, and I give an analogy to patients. You know, if you went to the doctor and you had a big brown mole on your arm and you were scared and you said, I don't know if it's cancer or not, well, the doctor can't just look at it and tell you or not. He's going to do a procedure. He's going to cut out the mole and send it to the pathologist who's going to look at it under the microscope and they'll give you an answer. So the same way you shouldn't regret it if you find out that it was a benign mole, you know, you had the procedure, but it was a benign mole. Okay, um, you know, if it was if it was a cancerous mole, well, then you, you it was more appropriate that you did the procedure. But there's no regret that you did it the other way. I, I kind of prep my patients beforehand. I say, listen, if you're in that 25 percent and you don't get results, hey, at least you know we tried. You have symptoms. You were aggressive. You tried to fix the problem. Unfortunately, it didn't work, even though we thought you were a candidate. Um, and that's sort of the approach I take, that sometimes you have to do the procedure first to find out if, indeed, the procedure was the right, the right thing to do, just like with the mole. Well, it's certainly, as I said, neuropathy is a life-changing situation and, uh, you know, certainly something to uh, think about. We only have a few minutes left, uh, Dr. Rose, and I certainly want to give you an opportunity to give your information about your practice again. Uh, But I want to ask first, does insurance usually cover this? Um, To date, we have not had any problem uh, getting insurance to cover it. When I first started doing it about nine years ago, one insurance company denied it as experimental, but they very quickly reversed that decision when we sent them all of the papers that have been written, including those by me. They reversed that decision. We have not had any problems since then. Uh, I can't say for sure that means we're not going to have problems in the future because the insurance companies are always finding ways to deny things. But for now, now we, we have not had trouble getting it covered by insurance. And I had uh, one quick question. I think I, I think you pretty much might have mentioned it. Uh, no physical therapy afterwards. Nothing, uh, nothing special for the patient to have to do. There's nothing you have to do. It's it's always great if you have the time and, and your insurance policy uh, will let you do it to have a little physical therapy. But there, it's not necessary at all. It's sort of a self rehab. We suggest to people if you have access to the local YMCA, even just to take out a one month membership so you can do some aqua therapy and walk around the pool. That kind of a thing after the after the wounds are healed. That that's sort of all you really need. Um, give us the information on where people can go to find out more about this procedure well, sure. and Our practice, your practice. Yeah, the practice is called the Plastic Surgery Center. Um, we're in um, in New Jersey. We have offices all over New Jersey, Shrewsbury, New Jersey being the, the, main, the main office. Our uh, website is www.advancedreconstruction.com. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, that's how they can get in touch with us. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Rose. Very informative. Uh, To my listeners, tomorrow uh, on Tuesday for Diagnosis SOS, we're going to have Dr. Scott Fogel to talk about sleep apnea and um, everything related to it. Is it dangerous? And how you you can get treatment for it. So please tune in tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Joni Aldrich, www.joni, J-O-N-I, Aldrich, A-L-D-R-I-C-H.com. Talk to you tomorrow. Good show.